Hello, welcome to Mikey Pod Podcast, episode 254. Today's guest is filmmaker Carrie Hawks. We'll be talking about their film, Black Enough. I'm your host, Michael Heron. I'm a composer, pianist, electronic musician, storyteller, and vegan activist based in New York City. On this podcast, I have conversations with activist artists who use their creativity to change the world. I've been sending this podcast to your ears for a little over 12 years, actually substantially over 12 years now. Subscribe. Go to MikeyPod.com where you may be listening to this right now. On the right hand sidebar, you'll see some colorful buttons that says subscribe. There's Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, uh, Android, all those different options. You can subscribe to this podcast, which will mean you'll automatically get each episode delivered automatically to your device. So you can listen to it at your convenience. And it super helps me, well, A, to know that you're listening, and B, just to keep action going, to keep the movement flowing. I made that rhyme. I didn't even intend to. If you want to know more about me, stop by my website at michaelherron.com. Hit me up on social media everywhere as at Michael Heron. Leave a voicemail at 347-460-1753 and I can play it on the show. Or you can email mikeypod at gmail.com. Hello. I'm super excited about today's episode. Uh, my friend Rafi told me about Carrie and I checked out their film and it's really an interesting, fantastic film. I'm super excited about Carrie's uh process with learning animation and creating this it's a very interesting piece of work and uh i was really excited to talk to them about this um so let me give you some check-ins about what's been going on with me this week i'm doing my 30 days of wellness as i record this uh it's day whoa day six Day seven? I started on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. What? Today's day seven. Listen. So I have two guys, just so you know. I have two guys. They're um, Mark Wood and Jamie Robinson. They offered a contest uh, offering uh, 30 days of personal training, two sessions a week, and cooking lessons two days a week. All plant-based, obviously. I'm vegan. I wouldn't do it any other kind of way. Um, um, It's great. So Mark came over twice last week. Each day we made food for three days. Ah, listen, this is solid, people. I'm drinking my coffee with no sugar or cream added to it, which I haven't done forever. And honestly, it still sucks. I'm not really into it yet, <laughs> but I'm into getting used to it. And I, I haven't had, listen, like I don't have a problem with gluten, whatever. I'm not allergic to it but, uh, or bread, like carbs, whatever. I've been eating solid, plant-based, whole foods for seven days. Like, I haven't had any added sugar, any processed sugar, any processed meat analogs that I eat like crazy. I haven't had takeout all week. So this is like, I feel better, A. I've been walking around just doing my thing. I went, <laughs> you guys, I was hungry the other day in between my piano lessons. I teach piano lessons in the afternoons. And I went and bought two apples as a snack. Like, wh who does that? It not, well, let me rephrase that. I didn't used to be the type of person that does that. And it was pretty great. Downsides, I did all week. I had this sense of like, uh, like I had a cravings and sort of a wanting for like heaviness. Because I, here's what used to happen. I would be like, okay, tonight I'm going to like, go to the store, grab stuff to make a healthy meal, blah, blah, did not happen very often. 
what happened was I would order from this vegan place that I can order from that has delicious vegan food, which is plentiful in New York City, and I have access to funds for this stuff, which is great. It's not healthy. So then I would get order this food, spend like 25 bucks for like food to be delivered to my house. It's full of oil and like processed food, which like honestly, I don't want to be that guy. But I kind of want to not be the guy I am or have been. So, you know, there's a happy medium in there. And right now I'm like straight up Whole Foods plant-based eating with uh, with uh, Mark's tutelage. And it's fantastic. Like it takes the whole having the food made during the day. Like it takes that entire decision process. It happens at least three times a day. And that inner struggle with like, ah, uh, well, don't do this. Don't do that. Maybe I should do this. And then the final like, oh. Just order takeout. I give up. And then eating a lot and then just being totally out of energy and laying down and going to bed. Maybe that's why I don't feel so healthy. (laughs) So this level of the coaching has been fantastic. Part two of this coaching is that Jamie Robinson, personal trainer, amazing, comes to my apartment twice a week and trains me. Can we please talk about this? He come, he shows up with two bands, like well, not two bands, a whole assortment of you know those bands, those exercise bands, and we get a solid workout in my apartment. Uh, yeah, and 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 then like I went running yesterday. This was my first, my first like sort of setback, and it wasn't even that much of a setback. But I went running yesterday. It was my third run for the week. Uh, I worked out with Jamie twice ran three tri- times and I, I think it's because I had a pretty solid work of week of workouts and I never warm up before I run what let me rephrase that I didn't used to until yesterday <laughs> warm up before I ran and I really pulled my calf and it had to cut my run short and I you know it bummed me out for the entire day and um and you know I just, I guess I noticed this pattern and Jamie actually pointed out one of the things I wanted to say is that I have access to these guys like 24 seven, basically. Like I'm not going to text them in the middle of the night, but like I was able to text Jamie and be like, Hey, my calf, blah, blah, blah. And he gave me some suggestions on what to do, which absolutely helped. Um, but you know, like my old pattern of doing things, I want to really like use this language of it being my old pattern and not even old pattern. Um, you know what, maybe I should phrase it in how I'm going to approach this moving forward. Um, I will do the other stuff like, and I did, I ate my food that I had ready for the day, blah, blah, blah. But inside I was like, oh, well, like, forget it. Ruined my leg. I pulled my, and then I was just like, I watched a lot of movies on my laptop and you know, what could have happened was that I just still did all my day and like, oh, wow, total bummer. Um, anyway, and then just go about my business. Uh, I'm noticing my tendency that I'm, that I'm letting go of as, of, as I'm going to speak it out of being. <laughs> um, I, I have a, I've had a tendency, I'm correcting myself as I speak. The tendency I did yesterday was uh, to... Uh, you know, like sort of, oh, well, like everything's ruined. That's it. I give up. Like, what is that? Like, I had a great week of exercise and eating. And then one thing happens. I'm like, oh, well, guess that's it. I'm just going to be like this for the rest of my life. I give up. 
I'm going to go to the store and get food and lay in bed watching TV on my laptop. That's not what I'm going to choose to do in the future. Um, and I cho- I chose half of that. I watched a lot of TV on my laptop. I still did some of the stuff I wanted to do. Um, but, you know, it's interesting. I'm, I, I had a tendency to sort of make an error or make a mistake or not. This wasn't even a mistake. Well, I guess if you consider I should have warmed up better before I ran. Um, but just like uh, allowing that to just settle me back and just be like, oh, see, forget it. And that's not what's going to happen moving forward. That is not what's going to happen. I said something to Jamie this morning in a text. I love it. I'm totally talking about the trainers, Jamie and Mark. Love those guys. Um, and and I told him that it was because him and Mark sort of like uh, had encouraged me, right? And that's why I ate right yesterday. Because otherwise, I would have been just eating shitty food and giving up. Well, that is not very empowering. It's saying that without them, I would just be a mess. And that's not true. Like, I have the potential, I have the capacity within myself to make a solid choice at any given time. And it's sort of, uh, I don't want to say negative things. And um, I would, I'm moving forward, I'm going to empower myself to make those solid choices instead of, you know, and make them myself and not because someone else is expecting me to or someone else wants me to. You know, it's super interesting to start thinking about this way, this way. And, and having that, yeah, anyway, wow. So things are shifting for me like crazy. I made a YouTube video about this too. <laughs> so check out my YouTube channel. <clears throat> anyway, uh, so we're going into week two of this. I'm going to weigh myself on Tuesday at my friend Charlene's house uh, because I don't have a scale. My weight last Tuesday was 222.5. Um, and, and, you know, I, I don't want to make this about like, fat shaming myself, right? I am, I have a solid 30 extra pounds on me and it doesn't feel good, right? Like, and it's been there for a long time. It doesn't feel good to carry that around. And there are goals that I have in my life that that extra weight is keeping me from. So that's what I'm working on. Like I'm super into doing the thing that feels right right? No matter what your body looks like, no matter what. I lack energy, but I was lacking energy and uh, moving around, like being on stage, just feeling motivated to go around my day, like standing up when I'm like hanging out, like teaching kids music. I sit on the floor and like every time I get up, it's like, ugh. like, I don't want to feel like that in my day. Like, I just don't want to feel like that anymore. And uh, I watched a video like uh, Jamie edited a video with uh, our our week together, the three of us, our week together. And um, I, seeing myself in video is like, wow, I like, I, I don't like it. So I'm happy I'm on a new path and I'm super excited that these guys are helping me out. And I'm really excited about their, um, part of their plan and part of their goal is to teach me how to get through these 30, like, you know, this 30 days is not, it's about making new habits, which is what excites me the most because these are actually old habits I used to have and I let go of. Um, And that, you know, like the shame of that is super heavy as well. Wow, I'm talking about this a lot, but I think, you know, this is a big shift and I'm very excited about it. So thank you, Jamie. Thank you, Mark, for, for your support. And for your interest in, you know, like 
helping me. Not, you know, like, not just like about like, oh, f- helping my fitness, but helping me to like shift my thinking and my habits. It's super powerful stuff. It's just been a week and I'm really, really pumped. Yeah. Anyway, lobby disruption. Last week, Wednesday morning. Oh, what's her name? Uh, the, the health commissioner of New York City. Mary, what is, oh, Mary, Bar, well, I, we were chanting her name like crazy. Mary, oh my God, what's her name? Mary Bar, 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 Bartlett, no, what the hell? Mary Bassett, oh yeah, Mary Bassett, that's her name. Mary Bassett is the health commissioner of New York City. And we have been targeting her, we meaning a group of activists, because of this Kaporos, if you've been listening, I've been giving you updates about this. Uh, we protested at her house a couple of times. We disrupted a um, talk she was giving with Mark Bittman from the New York Times. Um, she's not enforcing the laws that um, are broken when chickens are used as kaporos. Quick, up, just to in case you're listening for the first time, there's a ritual that ultra, ultra Orthodox Jewish people do where they swing a chicken over their heads and, uh, three times saying a prayer that transfers their sins allegedly into the chicken and then they slaughter the chicken. Um, I've been out to these sites multiple times over the past several years. It's the most horrifying thing I've ever seen in my life. Chickens stacked up in crates, completely neglected, people walking around with these screaming chickens. It's a horror show. It is the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. I know you probably think I'm exaggerating. I am not. And in fact, there is no way I can put into words how horrific this is. Uh, Mary Bassett is a health commissioner of New York City, and she's refusing to enforce the health codes and the laws that are broken by this, like uh, pop-up slaughterhouses in the street. There's bodies everywhere, like everywhere, dead bodies everywhere. I opened with my own two hands, bags of dead chickens that were, uh, they, they say that they donate these chicken corpses to the poor for them to eat. If they do, it's a very, very small percentage. Um, 60,000 chickens. Anyway, I was going to be short about that. So we went to, for the second time, <laughs> to the Department of Health, 8.30 a.m. We disrupted the lobby of the New York City Health Department. Um, there were maybe 20, 30 of us. I was super nervous that we were going to get arrested. This was the second time we disrupted the, uh, this lobby and it's a private building, right? So <laughs> we just marched in like 25, 30 people signs chanting. We did a die in, um, and all these cops showed up and I was like, Oh God, Oh God, Oh God. I kept like hoping someone else would be the first one to walk outside because they didn't want to get arrested and no one did it. And the cops, like, I suddenly realized, like, wait a minute, this cop is just drinking coffee. Like, they're not planning on arresting us. I don't know why. Um, No one even told us we had to leave. So we just did probably 30, 45 minutes. We were (laughs) chanting in this lobby, uh, holding signs, uh, and then we left and went about our day, man, like Mary Bassett, are you listening? Why won't you do your job? Like it's infuriating. It's infuriating. And listen, oh, anyway, so that was my week in activism. Uh, 
Wow. A trip. Um, bonus content. If you uh, are a Patreon subscriber of $5 or more, you know, I went to a whole, you know what? I'm going to save that talk for uh, bonus content this week. I went to a really great Patreon event here in New York City. Uh, the staff of Patreon, um, if you don't know, Patreon is a, a membership platform uh, where creators can um, build a membership or, or uh, subscribers to their work. Uh, so I, I have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash Michael Heron. Um, and it was really, really fantastic to meet a lot of creators who are hoping to be able to support their work and to meet the staff and the people that are really emotionally invested in this working, you know, like, um, it was cool. It, it was really cool. Um, so I'll, I'll talk more about that on the Patreon thing. Cause I, in, in all honesty, I'm a little cautious about being too overbearing, asking people to join Patreon. Though, if you'd like to, you can go to patreon.com slash Michael Heron and subscribe for as little as a dollar a month to get extra bonus perks, like uh, early access to this podcast, blah, see, there I go. Um, but uh, so I'll talk about it more in depth on the Patreon bonus content, which comes out once a week. Uh, this week is going to be a more extended interview with Carrie Hawks, who you'll hear from today. And of course... A little chat from me about why I love Patreon and why I love those of you who are subscribing. So that bonus content goes to subscribers of $5 or more. Blueberry. Last thing. My podcast is hosted by Blueberry. You should start a po podcast and I'll help you. Let me know how I can help you. Um, there are some links on MikeyPod.com and the show notes for this episode uh, to Blueberry. Uh, you can get a free month of hosting or stats from them using my code mikey pod and also DreamHost, which, which is where i host my sites and i i really love them uh you there's some uh links there too so if you use that stuff if you're setting up a website or a podcast let me know about it because i really want to help you and um or you know if you if you're just doing a blog or whatever and please do it on DreamHost or uh, blueberry and those uh you my affiliate program blah 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 i'll get a little money if you use them, um, which is great. And, you know, I've thought about trying to get sponsors for this podcast. And I think the only thing I want to do is have Patreon and do that brief mention about Blueberry and DreamHost because I use those two products. I believe in them. And it's just a thing. I don't want to get into a bunch of ads and a bunch of sponsorships on here. I'd much rather have people, um, the listeners support this rather than like weighing, like weighing it all down with a bunch of uh, sponsorships. Hope you agree. Hope I'm not going on too much about that stuff too much. Uh, all of that said, if you like this always free podcast and the many other things I create, tell a friend, leave a review, like, subscribe, all of those things. And especially I'd love your support as mentioned before at patreon.com slash Michael Heron, where you can get access to all kinds of cool stuff in exchange for as little as a dollar a month. I'd love to connect with you there and I'd love your help in covering the expenses for this always free podcast and the other content I create. And I just went on about Patreon way too much. I'm so sorry. I think that's too much. And I, I need to narrow that down. So my apologies if that was annoying. Um, okay. So we're going to listen to a song. This is from my friends, The New Epic. And after this, we'll have our interview with Carrie.
Joining me now on the podcast is filmmaker Carrie Hawks. Welcome to the podcast, Carrie. Thank you. Uh, I'm so grateful for you to uh, take time because you've been traveling with your film, Black Enough. Am I even right on that? That's what the play. That's why why you've been going to all these places, yeah. Yeah, that's been taking over my life recently. Yes, <laughs> that is sort of an amazing thing to have your life taken over with. Um, before we go too deep into that, can you give a quick summary about what the film is? Yeah, Black Enough is a story of a queer oddball seeking acceptance from their black peers despite a serious lack of hip-hop knowledge. So um, it's basically the story of me, and then I also have my family, and then parts of my great-grandmother's autobiography. And it's all about looking for belonging and acceptance. I love, just from my like artist perspective, I'm like so excited about your ability to do that elevator pitch so perfectly. That was great. <laughs> Been working on it for a while. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's super good. I always get in that space of like, well, it's did it, and then I stop myself and like, let me start again and do this the right way. So, like, you just set a good example for me. Um, so the film you've been, it's been traveling to a lot of film festivals. Like, you just went, we're in Iceland, am I right? Uh, well, Iceland was like the mini vacation, but it was screening in Sweden at Cinema Africa, which is uh, a film festival that's been going for 20 years, and it highlights um, African diaspora films. So is this your first film? Uh, no, it's it, depending on how I count, it's like my second or third. Um, I made one animated documentary in 2012 called Delilah, and that one was about a woman uncovering racial secrets in her past. And then... Black Enough, it, within Black Enough, there's a mini film called Negro Hair Petting Zoo. So that one also screened a couple places. And then Black Enough is like, it's definitely my biggest thing I've ever done. Oh, so, and, and are all the films, they use the same style with the animation? No, um, and Delilah, it's um, all rotoscoping. So I did an interview, like a live action interview. I flew out to Washington State to interview my distant relative. And then I exported the frames and I drew on top of all the frames. So that was all done rotoscoping. Um, and then Negro Hair Petting Zoo is kind of like a Monty Python style where I use uh, little, little cutouts of, well, I have a little lion and then some crayon stuff and some fingers and hair that I cut out of pictures. Are you self-taught with the filmmaking or did you study? Um, I went to school for art history and printmaking and then I went back for graphic design. So that's the first time I had exposure to any motion graphics. Um, but I never took an animation course. So I always tell people I just kind of learned off the internet and then I'd be around animators and I'm like, oh, that's how you do that. Like I joined this group of animators that workshop films together and they're like, oh, and then you do your turnaround of your character. And I was like, you're what? Um, so I'm, I'm still picking stuff up. Oh, that's super cool. Like uh, it, partly because animation is one of those things that I, that seems like this mysterious land that like other like magical people do. <laughs> so it's sort of cool that there's, there's the ability to just access it the way that you did. Was that challenging to, um, to like find, find that sort of connection with people to, to help you get your animation skills going? Uh, well, with the first one with um, Delilah, I I did it kind of that way because I was like, I can't draw real people that well. So by drawing on top of the frames, which is how they did the Take On Me video, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Aha's Take On Me. Oh, of um, course, yeah. I'm I'm actually aged, <laughs> so I was like, it was, okay. I was in high school when that came out, so I'm totally like that was like that. Yeah, 
anyway, that long story of, yes, I'm familiar. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's a generational gap sometimes with people, but, um, yeah. Yeah. So, so that's just, that was just a way I was like, oh, I can definitely trace and I can definitely do this. So that one was just more laborious of like, it was maybe eight or 900 drawings. So that was just like, okay, I can do that. Um, but then with the other animation styles, um, I, there is, like great things and horrible things that come with the internet, but there's so many tutorials out there and different rigging systems. So after you've made a character, like how to make it move. So I was able to pick up a lot from there, but then also this group, uh, Ladies Animated Short Screening. Um, I found out about them through ASIFA East, which ASIFA is like an international animation organization and they have um, a festival every year and then they have little meetups during the year. So I found out about that group, which led me to the other group. And then that's how I was able to like be around other animators. And some animators, I won't say all, aren't, aren't the most, we, we spend a lot of time by ourselves. So social skills, yeah, I don't know, they're easier to talk to than like people who are used to schmoozing all the time, I'd say. Do you, I, I was about to assume that you love animation. So I guess I should I ask you, okay, cool. Yeah, I do. There's, there's, I still feel like I'm learning a lot of animation history because I never took a class on it. So I'm just picking stuff up as I go. But I, yeah, I absolutely love animation. Um, I'm, I'm, so, I do a lot of electronic music and I'm sort of self-taught in that world in the way that you're self-taught with animation. And I have mm -hmm. a lot of moments that I, uh, I sort of struggle with that imposter syndrome that's like, oh, am yes. I even doing this right? Like, what if someone who really knows what this is supposed to look like sees this? What are they going to, like, yes. so, so, so do you have a, like a way to cope with this or to keep moving forward? Or is, is that a challenge for you? Uh, it is a challenge. I would say when I first started joining some things, I would just be quiet a lot because someone's like, oh, you know, Lottie Reniger's work and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay, mental note or like physical note, look up Lottie Reniger. So it was a lot of just like smiling and nodding sometimes. But then <laughs> when I joined this um, smaller group, I was, you know, I went in and I was like, full disclaimer, I never went to animation school. Like, I don't know anything about this really. But um, I'd, I'd seen another film. Uh, there's a great prolific filmmaker whose name, of course, now I'm forgetting. Um, but she made a whole uh, feature-length animated documentary uh, about mental illness in her family. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna send you her name later because she Signa Bowman, that's her name. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, and she, I went to go see her film. It screened at um, IFC, and she was talking about it. She's made like dozens of animated films, and she's like, you know, if I were an artist or something, like implying that she didn't even quite consider herself an artist. And I was like, that's crazy. You've just made like at least five or six and a whole feature film, like you're definitely an artist. So I, I think it's also seeing that other people don't necessarily consume themselves a complete expert is helpful. Um, but then the animators I've met have just been really gracious and like very helpful and wanting other people to succeed. So that's helped a lot, but I still have imposter syndrome. Yeah. So. It's funny. Like the way we like set, I don't know. I feel like, I, I don't, I don't want to get too deep in like <laughs> trying to self self analyze, but I don't understand why people like get excited about making something. And then we, why we have to have those little voices constantly telling us like, Oh, you're not doing it right. You're not good enough. All that kind of stuff. Yeah. I, well, I was hearing someone talk about that with music actually, which mu music to me is the magic part. Cause I'm like, I don't know how you come up with that melody and then just make something out of nothing. But um, they, I think they were talking about before, 
music was highly recorded. People used to just do music in their house. You know, they'd sing in groups, they'd play like instruments. And now after like it's recorded and it's sold and it's commodified, then you think you have to be at a certain level in order to do it at all. But really you should, you should be able to enjoy music, you know, just on the side of the road with nothing. But yeah. um, I think, you know, if, if when there's capital behind it, sometimes that makes it different. And then you feel like you have to be a certain caliber, but you know, as long as you're always trying to, learn more and do better. That's, that's the most you can do. Yeah. In some ways, you know, as you talk about that, it makes me realize that it's happening with music and I'm, I'm thinking it's probably happening with filmmaking. I mean, it must be, but it seems like it's bringing us back to that time a little bit because now so many people have access to like making films and making music on their computers and the ability to disperse it. So I guess the, the with the frustration of feeling like imposters who just learned to do these things on our own there's the sort of magic of us being able to create things we didn't really have access to creating before yeah yeah especially even with phones like um uh Haile Jirima a filmmaker was talking at Black Star Film Festival and he was saying some of the most pivotal works of like film or at least of moving image we've seen have been like Facebook live recordings of police brutality or something like that. So if you, it expands like before it wouldn't have been possible for someone to have uh, some of the footage or some of the, the behind the scenes that we have now. But now if you have a cell phone, you kind of have the ability to make at least a captured video, you know, and that can reach millions of people and be extremely pivotal. Yeah. Um, back, back to your film, um, were there any surprising responses, like things that you didn't expect people to get out of your film that they did? I don't know. It's fun when someone gets all of the jokes in the film. Sometimes uh, that usually doesn't happen because I put in a lot of dark humor, <laughs> weird humor, and nerd stuff. Uh, surprising. Uh, someone asked me about the hands, like the hands of the people the little characters in the film and why they didn't um, have thumbs. <laughs> what? Usually, I mean, they, they don't have thumbs, but usually it's my, my favorite response is when people also want to share something about themselves or like how it relates to their life. Um, I did, there was actually, when I did all the voiceovers, um, it was a white cis male sound engineer. And I was like, I've been working on this for a while, and I was kind of like, oh, I guess I should redo this. And he was just like, no, this film is so great, and I get so much from it, and I really identify. And that was kind of surprising because it's not about him. Um, but I think people can identify with like feelings of like not belonging and feeling like you're not good enough or trying to find people that will accept you as you are. So I think that kind of universality. Um, I was surprised when some people really identify with it, but they're not they're not queer, they're not black, they're not gender non-conforming. They're, like, it's not about their life at all. Yeah, that that was one of the things, like when I was watching the film and thinking about what to talk to you about, uh, I'm gay, but I'm not black, and I'm not, uh, and I'm cisgendered. Um, it, it made me, like, there were certain questions that I would think about or, like, ways of relating to the film that made me, you know, that I was like, ah, maybe that's not so cool to, like, sort of compare my experience as a, growing up as a gay kid in the 80s with your experience with um, not feeling quote unquote black enough. Um, what uh, did like, especially in the, in the um, relationship with the, the, it's the, the cis male editor. Yeah. Is that what you said? He, he edited? He is the sound engineer. Yeah. So the he, sound engineer. He recorded the sound. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, it, do you welcome those type of comparisons or does it feel like it's sort of cheapening the experience you're trying to, 
to express? I, I, he was great, and I primarily most of the crew and cast were. I tried to get more uh, brown people and women, but um, he didn't really compare it to his life. I was just surprised that he felt a connection with it. Oh right. Um, th there was one. I when I just the second time I screened it in Sweden, um, the first comment was from a white cis male, and he was like, "Oh, you know, when are you going to make the film about like a." a mixed kid who's like, am I white enough? And I was like, wow, okay, that's not an issue. Whiteness is a construct, this isn't real. So I was surprised that he took it in that direction. Um, wow. Uh, very surprised. <laughs> but um, yeah, so far, like people haven't necessarily made comparisons, but been more like, oh, I can relate to this. Like, yeah. And I think it's, it's great, like that's the wonderful thing about film and art and storytelling is when you can relate to someone that's not like you, that that really, um, that makes the world better because then you're going to maybe think of them more as human or care about what happens to them, even if you don't personally know someone like that. I love this type of work. Like I've, I've been talking primarily to activist artists on the podcast for the past couple of months um, because that's kind of the realm that I do. And I just am so excited as I, as I did this type of work, I started to realize like, oh, this is a great way to communicate and to be an advocate slash activist in, in a uh, in a in a way that just I I still am struggling. Maybe this is why I'm talking to so many uh, artists like this because I'm trying to figure out how what is different and why it's effective in the way that it is. That's a super broad question. But do you have any comments on that? <laughs> oh, well, I think it, because it brings out the humanness. Because um, I, say, I went to some creative capital event and they were talking about art and activism and you know you can get in an argument with someone. You can sign a lot of petitions, which they certainly do. You can write to a lot of people, but um, sometimes in order to change someone's mind, it needs, it. you can get a different response if it's uh, like an emotional, like getting to know you kind of like, not this is my opinion and you should agree with it, but like telling a story. I think stories are just very relatable and also humor, using a lot of humor. Um, Cheryl Dunney, the lesbian filmmaker, she she was talking about the strength of humor as a political tool because when you laugh, you kind of let your defenses down and you kind of like see other people as human more. So it's just a way to like get in there a little, like a different angle, I guess, that you could go at. Like Wanda Sykes does amazing um, comedy or other, or people who do comedy about race and gender and class and these issues. Like someone may not listen to a lecture about it, but they will definitely listen to a joke about it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Um, all right. So we should wrap this up. Uh, I want to make sure that people know where they can find you online. Oh, and you've got, and probably because the film is showing in a lot of different places still, we should talk about where people can find these dates and find a, a um, screening near them. In New York, it will be screening at Book Festival at Medgar Evers College on March 24th. And also it was screening at Mixed Queer Experimental Film Festival, the date to to be determined. Um, it's gonna be screening in uh, Ann Arbor um, later this month. And actually all of the upcoming screenings that I know about are on the blackenough.com website. So that's black enough and that's E-N-U-F. Um, so there's events and then upcoming events. It'll also be screening in London soon and then in central New Jersey, but that's like more of a hush hush screening. Oh, wow. um, so <laughs> people can, like if they want to, if they really want to learn more about the film, they can join the mailing list um, on the website through Connect. 
Um, there's also a Facebook page for the film where I try and keep it updated with uh, upcoming events. I'm not as active on Twitter, but it's twi- on Twitter it's Black Enough Film, and then I am Maroon Horizon everywhere online, so on Twitter, Instagram, other places. Amazing. And then for people who are listening, if you can't remember any or all of that, you can go to MikeyPod.com, and in the show notes for this episode, all those links will be right there for you. Oh, and I should also say that the film is available for educational and cultural institutions. Um, in a couple months, it will be available um, for rental online, but um, not quite yet. Ah, awesome. Great. Okay, Carrie, thank you for joining me. Thank you. Growing up, I only thought that I could ever be Glued to all the words that were projected onto me That I could choose the ones I keep And throw the ones that I disliked And feared deep out to see So nice to hear that voice again. If you've been a longtime listener, you know the band Uniform Motion. Uh, that was Andy Richards. He's been a guest on the show before, and he has, uh, I've played his music a lot on the show too. Um, yes, formerly of the band Uniform Motion. Did I say that already? Well, there it is again, if I did. And now doing his solo thing and a lot of other cool projects. You should support him and The New Ethic, who I played in the beginning of the show. I didn't really give enough, uh, d- enough, um, attention or 
information about the new ethic. Uh, that is a brand new EP from them. The song was called No Empathy. And they will be on the list of artists this summer at a uh, animal rights musical f- music festival here in New York City called Can I Live at um, oh, the name of the place. Oh. I'll put it in the show notes. I'm having a hard time remembering stuff as usual. Come on. Uh, hopefully the uh, my Whole Foods diet will be helping with that soon. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Support the artists on this show. Um, the New Ethic, Andrew Richards, and of course, Carrie Hawks. Um, check out their film, Black Enough. Uh, see if there's a screening of it near you. And amazingness. Stay tuned for the bonus content, the extra interview with Carrie. And if you wouldn't mind, please do leave a review. I keep wanting to read reviews at the end of the show, and there are none. And the shtick of being mad and pretending I'm mad and like sad about it is over. Now it's just a, a veil of disappointment that joins me every day of my life. All you have to do to lift this veil of sadness is... Leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher or anything else. You could send me an email. You could voicemail, all that stuff. Please, please let me know you're listening. Okay. Um, I do love you, and I will talk to you soon.